The future of health coaching. Opportunity, action, impact. Brought to you by Teleosis Institute, coaching and narrative healing. Welcome to the Future of Health Coaching Summit. I'm Joel Kreisberg and I'm here with Karen Lawson. Karen Lawson is a physician and assistant professor of family medicine and community health at the University of Minnesota. She's also the director of integrative health coaching at the Center for Spirituality and Healing. Karen is board certified in family medicine and integrative and holistic medicine. She practices many, many techniques of healing and I'm very happy to, and she's also very important, a key player in the National Consortium for Credentialing Health and Wellness Coaching. I'm finally very pleased to welcome Karen to the summit. Thank you. Nice to be here. Today, Karen, we're going to talk about integrative health coaching and particularly deepening our own commitment to professional and personal evolution. So I think it's ready for us to hear from Karen. So Karen, tell us a bit about, you know, your path to integrative health coaching. Sure. Well, I kind of consider myself a, a recovering physician. That's probably where I start. So I've had a long, long interest in um, kind of holistic practices. I was a dancer before I went into medicine. And I went into medicine thinking I was going to learn and understand kind of more about mind-body um, and really how people holistically live their lives. I found as I moved into conventional family medicine that that really wasn't so much what it was about. And so I found myself seeking outside other approaches, other systems, other um, countries, ways of looking at health and healing. And through that discovery process really came to understand how I needed to live my own health in a way that was a model to my clients and my patients rather than being in the situation where I was working 14 hour days and my clients and patients were taking care of me. Mm -hmm. um, so in the process of that evolution, I really worked my way from family medicine into a full-time holistic and integrative medicine practice. Mm -hmm. um, and in doing that and putting together some new clinical models, um, I found that there was still this kind of what I call the missing provider. Mm -hmm. um, there was nobody that really worked with individuals once they thought they knew what they wanted to do from the experts to actually help them figure out how to do it in their own lives. Mm -hmm. So it didn't matter if people were leaving the internist office or their acupuncturist office, they'd go stand in the parking lot and go, wow, that was great. I have no idea how to go do this at home. Mm -hmm. And so we kind of invented this role in the late nineties of a, a health coach and there really wasn't such a thing out there. Mm -hmm. So I actually had an integrative nurse on my team and I brought in um, an expert outside person who had done coaching her whole life. We kind of married the coaching with the healthcare, put the two together, and voila, we had the world's first integrative nurse health coach, mm -hmm. um, which was great. And what we found is within six months, she was the busiest practitioner in the center. Uh -huh. and, uh, we just, we learned so much and the practitioners loved referring to her because they saw their own clients and patients make leaps that they hadn't made before. Mm -hmm. And um, and so, you know, life went on and, and as I evolved from doing kind of external clinical work to moving back to the university to academia, I came back to the University of Minnesota in 2003 to help really put together curriculum and integrative medicine for physicians and medical students. And in the process, my, um, my boss, the director of the center, Dr. Mary Jo Kreitzer, said to me, well, if this health coach position is so important to the transformation of healthcare, then the only way we're ever going to have them is if we train them. So somebody needs to start an academic program. So start an academic program. So I agreed to do so with a couple caveats. 
One was that I wanted to do it interdisciplinary and with a team of people who had additive many, many years of coaching. So I got to do it with a team of five other providers that we put together. So there was a team of six of us and we all brought very different backgrounds and skill sets to the table. But the second thing was I wanted the program to really have a strong focus on personal growth and transformation and that that would be something we would build right into the program. Because one of the things that I found with my health coach back in the day and also with the other providers I worked for is that if practitioners weren't really tending to their own health and well-being, they weren't modeling or inspiring their clients the best. And it also meant that they really couldn't always be present to the client's experience because they were distracted with their own responses and reactions to what was going on to the situation. Mm -hmm. And so I'm really happy to say that I think one of the things we've done is we've really crafted a program that came out of my own self-experience, but that really is about supporting the growth and development of each of the individuals that we train as a coach mm -hmm. um, so that they can be a model for well-being out there in the world. Actually, it sounds, you know, it, it, there's just so many pieces that you just gave and that, that I want to unpack and help our listeners understand. Uh, because what you're, you know, you're saying that, you know, it's often the case whether you're doing alternative complementary or mainstream medicine that there's other things that need to go on besides what the physician offers. And the coach yeah. takes that role, basically. Yeah. And, that, and you see that. So you start training health coaches to do this work with their clients. And but you're saying that they got to do this work with themselves. It's work with themselves. Right? They do. Yeah, because you know, if a, if a client comes in, and I, I always laugh because I think it must be one of those energetic patterns in the universe, but it seems like whatever we're in the midst of in our own lives um, is often what will walk in our door at our practices. Mm -hmm. And so often clients or patients issues are very close to ones that we may be going through ourselves. Mm -hmm. And if we aren't clean and clear with what our own internal process is, where we are emotionally, how we're doing, then we can get caught up in reactions to what the client's got going on and mm -hmm. not really be able to be clear and present there for the client. And mm -hmm. if we don't really cultivate that self-awareness and tend to our own needs and desires, we just really can't be, I don't think, nearly as effective with other individuals as mm -hmm. we should be. And so then key to that is when you start to teach that coach is to cultivate that commitment. Those are the key words. So how do we cultivate, how does, how have you learned or developed cultivating that commitment to learning? Well, for myself, one of the things that I've found and I, I talk to my, all my students about it is, is that there's not going to be one regular recipe that's reproducible for everybody and you're never going to get there. Okay. This is not, I've arrived. I've achieved balance. I'm there forever. So this is an ongoing commitment um, that you have to address every moment and every day and every week. And it's going to evolve and change as you evolve and change. Yeah. Just like diets. I think need to, you know, the perfect diet for us right now may not be the perfect diet for us in six months. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that's true with our stress management practices, with our exercise routines, all of those things. So one of the things that we do um, is, is that we really start, especially in the first two semesters, we try to expose our students to a really broad range of different kinds of mm -hmm. um, stress management techniques, self-awareness practices, kind of give them an opportunity to, to graze. Many of them come with practices that they've already had. We mm -hmm. encourage them to try new ones so that they can really broaden their palette, what their mm -hmm. options are. Mm -hmm. And we have them do... Um, regular journaling that we assign a question, some kind of a self-evocative question to every week um, so that it keeps them kind of thinking about how am I doing my own self-care, my own well-being. Um, and 
One of the other things that we do is, is we've arranged for all of our um, coaching students when they're in their core coaching training, receive outside coaching. So when an problem arises for them, they have some place to go with it and they have to commit to doing three hours of outside coaching a semester and it's paid for as part of their program. Interesting. So then they're actually having the experience of being coached. So that's A, they're, they're actually learning what it's like to be coached. And at the same time, they're able to, to have to report to someone else about the kind of changes that are going on for them. Yeah. That sounds like that's pretty unique. I haven't heard a lot of schools or a lot of places do that in a lot of ways. Yeah. I haven't either. I keep putting it out there like it's a really good idea, but I don't know if anybody else has taken us up on it. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, th I think that's really important. So, so, so in that way, you're starting. So, what I what I heard you describe is that you're exposing the students to lots of different types of practices. It sounds like you're requiring them to do some kind of practice as part of the education. Exactly. They're, they're asked to reflect and learn about it, and they actually even have someone to talk to about it. That's a key piece. It's not just reflect. It's actually, you know, it goes all the way through a cycle. Yeah, and we have found it. We're very. Uh, we've had to become very clean about with the outside coaching and in our boundaries and um, making sure that like that person that's an outside coach is either someone that's a graduate of our program or um, a professional coach that's had a lot of experience that we know practices philosophically aligned with our program. And it's no one that will ever be a grading faculty member for them. Mm, right. Make sure that we don't cross that that line because and what happens with the coach stays with the coach we aren't privy to that content at all yeah. that's interesting so that you're not being assessed like the assessment of the education is different than the coaching the yeah. coaching is about and that's interesting because this is about lifelong learning and self-development so they're actually being modeled right from the beginning that learning and self-development yep Sounds like it's powerful thank you no, it's a, I mean, it's really important. Do you, do you find actually that you've watched students go through, a lot of students over many years at this stage, do you find that there's a way that they kind of, it's almost like, I mean, it's almost like a kind of a baking. There's a way that they kind of grow used to it and excited about this learning kind of process over time. Oh, very much so. I think that, well, one of the things is, you know, we are, we're pretty transparent about who we are and what we are as a program. So we tend to attract people who have interest in personal growth and self-development and a very holistic perspective. So we attract that to begin with. And then we definitely find that um, both the combination of new thoughts and ideas that we expose them to and then just life happening people have major, major transformative changes that happen during the time that they're in the program. And one of the things that we hear consistently from people, both those who have graduated and are out there coaching in the world, some who are out there and are still in their original professions who maybe haven't changed to coach, but they're bringing coaching into their old profession, and others who went on to do something else or never actually coached, inevitably say back to us in our feedback surveys, it changed my life, it changed how I think, it changed who I am, I'm happier with my family, I get along better with my friends, I'm better at work, you know, I'm a better human being because I know myself and understand myself better. So I'm, I'm happy with that even when they aren't necessarily professional coaching. Right. That's nice. That's interesting. So, so key to this, uh, th this self-development is self-awareness. I mean, one of the key muscles that you're asking people to develop is so they're, they get that through the practice they're doing, but I, I would imagine, and you know, I, I agree with you that this impacts the way your students and the way coaching works with a client. If I, so how would you describe self-awareness and it starts to shift my dynamics with when I work with clients? 
Well, I think the first thing is, is that for all of us, we have a certain lens we are, or let's put it this way. We have a muscle that's the strongest that we're most used to using. So for some of that's our, that's our intellect. For some of us, it's our emotions. For others, it might be our body or our kinesthetic awareness. And mm-hmm. so one of the first things is to introduce the realization to people that you have one that you tend to overuse mm-hmm. and you tend to neglect a couple of the others. And so we really invite people to start playing around with, you know, if you're a real intellectual sort, how do you start getting in touch with the emotions? How do you start feeling what's going on in the body and all the way around the spectrum so that people really recognize that they're not being self-aware if they're only being self-aware in one of those areas, they really need to strengthen the weak areas as well. And if they do that, then they can at least hold that possibility for their clients because the clients will come in with the same biases. And you always meet a client where they are, and you can sometimes open up the doorway to a possibility that maybe there's a different way of looking at something than they've had the opportunity of looking at it that way before. And so it's gotta come from the coaches first. Well, and also it would seem to me that the coach learns their own bias. I mean, depending on which way I am as a coach, if I'm a more of a mental type, I'm going to notice the mental part of my client. If I'm more emotional, I'm going to feel more, right? Both the client and the self get noticed in that self-awareness. It also makes it possible. I think it makes it more possible for us to be comfortable with all different kinds of clients and wherever they are. Because if I'm a really intellectual person and I get a client that comes in that's really, really emotive and I'm not able to be comfortable with the emotion that they have because Mm -hmm. I'm not comfortable with my own emotions, then I'm not going to be able to be very supportive of them in their process because I'm not going to be able to meet them where they are. Mm -hmm. So I think in order for us to be able to have coaches that are accessible and um, effective for any different kind of client that comes in, it's really important that we can access all of those centers and knowing. Well, also, that's where, you know, in our title, there's that you have, have this term personal evolution. So now you're also beginning, it's, to me, it sounds like you're describing how different clients actually give us the opportunity to grow different aspects of ourselves. Very, very much so. Yeah. And so you learn a lot. Yeah. So they're learning, you're learning that skill. It's an opportunity when you start to notice that gap between uh, I'm different. Huh. I need to learn something from this person. Yeah. You know, because you're going to see people have different skills, different strengths. Very so much I, so. I imagine that. So then, then the, you know, mindfulness is a term that gets thrown a lot around a lot, and so you know, so it seems like mindfulness is part of this self-awareness. So let's help. You know, how do how do we relate these two things, self-awareness and mindfulness? Well, to I. <laughs> I'm supposed that, you know, John Kabat-Zinn and Saki might have a different conversation with me. I know it's evolved over the years, mm-hmm. but I, for, my, for me, mindfulness is simultaneously being aware of what's going on out here, what's on in my environment, what's everything from the smells to the sounds to the temperature um, to, while well, I'm simultaneously aware of what's going on in my own heart and my own body and my own mind. Mm-hmm. And so I think truly if we are mindful across the spectrum, it encompasses all of that. I think often when I hear people who have um, just dipped their toe in the water of mindfulness, um, that, that it, they take pieces of that, but they tend not to take all of it. And mm-hmm. so one of the things that we do when we talk about mindfulness is really try to cultivate not only that awareness of um, the other um, what's going on out there, but also that continual check-in awareness with what my internal experience is. Mm-hmm. Some of us like to 
stay with the outside awareness and some like to stay with the inside awareness. And so it's the opportunity to make sure that we're doing both of those things. Mm -hmm. So I think mindfulness is very compatible. Um, it's one of the terms we obviously use with students. Um, I did, you know, mindfulness-based stress reduction training back in the early 90s. And so it's been a piece that certainly informed everything I've done over the years, and it's really helped me. Um, so it is one of the concepts that we um, we work with with the students, not only with themselves, but then also how do they stay in a mindful place when they're with a client? Mm, uh, right. Yeah. So, so it's not. So yeah, mindfulness-based stress reduction is, is a is a formal technique, if we can call something formal technique. I mean, general mindfulness practices are pretty similar in a lot of ways. Yeah. And at the same time, what you're describing is you can be mindful. Uh, you, you're asking your your the students who are coaches to become mindful of themselves. Mm -hmm as well to become mindful of what's going on around them. Yep, exactly. And so I'm to me, that requires a certain amount of practice. Right? It requires a lot of practice. <laughs> and some days we're better at it than others. Well, that's what I was gonna say. So there's some days you're better and then you actually get better at it by through practice. Exactly. Right? You know, and so, 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 so how, do we, how do you encourage students to do the practice to, to, to get better at it or to notice that it's kind of a slow learning, isn't it? Well, and, and I find it kind of comes in, in jumps, you know, it's like we are on a plateau for a while and then we have a sudden breakthrough. Um, one of the things that we do is really, we really encourage students to develop some kind of a daily practice um, at home all the time. Now, what that looks like for each student might be very different. We give them lots of things to choose from. Some of them have other practices that they bring with them, but to have some kind of a daily kind of grounding and connecting and centering practice that is part of their everyday life. Mm -hmm. That's, you know, the way that you regularly just strengthen a muscle as you use it. Um, we also then bring that kind of a practice into the beginning of every coaching session, whether that's on the phone or in the classroom, in training, whether they're in person with the client, is to offer, if the client's willing, to start a session with some kind of a brief grounding, connecting, centering practice of some kind to set the tone. Um, and the more you do it, the easier it gets, the more comfortable you are with it, um, you know, all of those kinds of things. Well, it's a big, so then you're saying, it's interesting, so you're, ultimately what you're saying is having a, a daily practice makes a huge difference for a coach, right, you yeah. know, and so you're, that, you're sort of saying, well, this is required as a way of getting to the point where they, in the end, that's what they do, right? Yeah. It's also true for everybody, not just for the coach. Exactly. I think having a daily practice is kind of important for all human beings. For everybody, right. But I don't get to impact everybody, so. Of course. You know, but in a way, it's not like I am telling you to do it. It's saying, well, I do it, and I'd like you to see how much it might help you, because this is right. how much it helped me. Right? Yep. I mean, that's, that's what we're, you know. Yeah, just to introduce that possibility to a client. They've never maybe even been exposed to that idea or tried anything before. So one of the things we like to make sure that our, our students are good with is that they have a range of things that they can offer or bring in. So for those clients that have never done anything before, there's a kind, easy way that they can just introduce, you know, maybe it's just a breath. Maybe it's, you know, a couple of moments of silence, whatever it is that it can be non-scary and non-woo-woo and um, something that anybody can access. Yeah. I mean, that sounds like you're, so you're meeting the client where they are. I mean, that's a, you're, that's mindfulness allows you to make that space for the client to find what's right for them, but you got to give them that space. And then the other thing that you said is that you're also modeling for the client by, by doing something like opening a session or by creating this in the sessions right 
you know, and becoming comfortable with that. I know that, 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 you know, I mean, I train coaches as well. There's this, sometimes this feeling like, oh, well, will the client not like that or will they will like that or it's okay. And a lot of it's becoming comfortable just offering that. Exactly. Yeah. Let's do that. And I, I mean, actually, I, I saw a, a therapist for a couple of years who's a Zen master and, uh, and he does five minute meditations to start the sessions. That's why I start sessions. And his joke is he thinks that's the best part. You know, a lot of people, that's the five minutes is the that's best true. part of the therapy. <laughs> and I think that may be true. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it really is. And so you look forward to it. You know, it's just like taking exactly. five minutes. And, yeah. But it also really changes your energy. And then that habit builds. Yeah. Right. which is going to this idea of, of, of the, you know, how do we build our commitment to pro professional and personal evolution, right? You're, you're building the skills. It's actually, you're saying, well, there's a daily practice to it, right? You're also saying yeah. there's having somebody to relate to report to in some way. So I'm curious actually when the students, so the program they have is, a, it's like a year long post-baccalaureate certificate is the primary? Our certificate is actually two years. Oh, it is, it really, okay. Yeah. And then we have a, a, a full master's program that's 38 credits that can be two and a half to five years depending upon how fast students move through it. Wow, so yeah, because I, I was gonna say there's also a master's program, so it's that long. So, I mean, that's a big, it's a juicy program. So I imagine you really see, the, uh, you know, their adult learners how much they can evolve over i mean yeah. how much they can develop right it yeah. must be fabulous so yeah. it, it's very exciting and we get to see them go through often many difficult challenges i mean we've been through births deaths marriages divorces moves you know elderly parents dying you name it we've been through it all um and our students have been through it all and we watch them learn a daily practice and commit to something, everything's great and wonderful, and then life happens and it falls apart. And now what do I do when it falls apart? And how do I find the new me? And how do I find the new practice for where I am? And so we get to watch them kind of evolve across that bumpy road in a way that really leads them to coming out with really deep empathy for the human condition and for being able to really coach with clients and understand how challenging things can be. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I, I then I, I would I would assume or imagine or both that that by spending that you know a couple of years together, there's a real collective learning that naturally happens. Yeah, that you won't get in a short course because you can become a course coach in, in as little as three months in yes. some or other. But by working in a co so do they really move in a cohort through the whole two years? Often the certificate students mostly do because that's kind of a two-year lockstep program. So probably 90-95 percent of the certificate students move through. The the master students move through kind of the first four semesters usually together, and then how they kind of wrap up the other courses they need to do. Some do it really fast and some spread it out longer. So there's a little bit more dissipation across the cohorts. But I will say that usually the bonds really happen in the first couple semesters. And those cohorts get very tightly bonded. Most of our cohorts are all still in touch with each other. We do have an alumni group that we've started. So we get to get reported back. And some of the groups have been meeting regularly, like quarterly for years since they've graduated. So it's, it's very cool. Or they fly out and support each other when somebody opens a new practice. And because we We've had students from New York to California, so we draw students from all over the country. Yeah, well, and so I imagine though this is you know the theme of commitment to professional and personal evolution. That group really supports that as well. So there's another part to self-awareness, which is how you learn from each other and how you can support one another. Yes, that's and I imagine that comes through really strongly if you take that much time together. Yeah.
And I think the other thing that we're so um, gifted or, you know, privileged to be able to have is, is we have learners from 22 years old to 75 years old. Mm -hmm. So it's not uncommon in a a circle of 20 students for me to have people from three generations. Mm -hmm. And so we do a tremendous amount of kind of inter-student learning. They learn a tremendous amount from each other. And it's so fun to watch like the grandparents kind of take the young ones underneath their arm and help with their emotional maturity. And the young ones teach the older ones how to do their tech skills. You know, I mean, it's like there's a real mutual learning back and forth to support their own growth and development. It's really beautiful to watch. No, so no, I, mean, I bet it's. I'm sure it's. It's very rewarding, and you're seeing yeah. the growth. And but you, they're learning from each other. That's a really important piece. And so allowing your the. So this is part of in our theme of the growth of the coach, allowing the initial training to give you the opportunities to that kind of growth and development is really important. It's actually a very unique time, the training of coaches. I mean, the program that I did is a different program. I mean, it was two years. So yeah. it really was a, it was a special time for, for finding new elements of self. Do you, do you have, I mean, I was, you know, you're a physician. So are there physicians coming into the program? I'm sure there are in some way. We do. It's not a high volume. Obviously, from a financial standpoint, most physicians aren't going to retool to be coaches and take a significant financial cutback. However, many physicians want to bring coaching skills into the kind of practice they're doing or they want to evolve the kind of practice they're doing. So we usually get one or two physicians in a group a year mm-hmm. um, that you know kind of are moving in that direction. And they're a delightful addition, although we kind of laugh in that the longer people have been in conventional healthcare, whether they're advanced practice nurses or physicians, um, the longer it kind of takes to reprogram them. Yeah, yeah. And I can be my, I was my first client, so I, I understand because, you know, we've spent so much of our professional life being trained how to look at things through a disease lens, through a lens of what's broken and to the label that's on the forehead. And so to really stop looking through those lenses and start really seeing the client as whole and well and healthy, whatever their state of challenge is, mm-hmm. is a real shift and they like it and it's hard. You know, it takes a lot to overcome those old reflexes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I really, you know, well, we could go down that whole conversation of that particular piece, but it's a, it's a different move and it's actually a wonderful move for, you know, the coaching perspective of healing, right, yeah. and health and supporting uh, a more of a process change versus a more of an identifying illness mm-hmm. kind of, those are different perspectives. Yes. Very yeah. much so. so. I mean, yeah. you know, is there, are, are coaches given a lot of training in identifying illness or they're more trained toward, toward change, change agents? Yeah, yeah. We really focus on the, the process of change, really becoming experts in the process of change and in cultivating the environment and the relationship to be able to support that process. Right. Our coaches aren't trained to diagnose or treat or um, and those who don't come from healthcare backgrounds would certainly not be applying any of those kinds of things in their practice. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, the, the, so, the, so the question that comes up out of that is, is, you know, th- how is the system changing to accommodate this coaching perspective? Is it changing? Are there, how, how do you see the opportunities since you've been watching this for a few years? Uh, yeah. Well, I you- think I think the system is changing. Of course, I'm, I tend to be kind of impatient, so it's not changing fast enough for me. Um, <laughs> and I, the conventional healthcare system is the aspect that's probably changing the slowest. Mm-hmm. We're seeing 
great opportunities coming up in education, in senior housing, in um, you know community organizations and nonprofits and corporate employee wellness. Um, I think I think really particularly in outpatient medicine, conventional outpatient clinics, we are just getting in there. Um, it's that's been a hard nut to crack. Um, I'm very excited that one of our, our local centers, who was one of the first accountable care organizations in the state a couple years ago, mm-hmm. launched their first year of their ACO with an interdisciplinary team. And mm-hmm. at the end of the year, they had some money actually left that they made. And so they took that money and budgeted to add a health coach to their team for the following year. Mm-hmm. And that was a big breakthrough. Um, but it, it, it's, a, it's a new process and re-educating, you know, the leaders of those healthcare organizations, many of whom are, are physicians, but not all, and administrators, to even know what a health coach is and what they do that's different than any of their other employees would do. It, it's a process that's going to continue to take some perseverance. Yeah, no, it is a process that's going to take perseverance. And it's interesting because that's an interesting educational minute moment there. It's like those physicians are not going to take a two-year program. So how do we educate the, you know, the more the physicians who are making these decisions to understand the role of the health coach? Well, one of the ways that we have found some success in doing that is, is that one of our students do a, a four-month internship at a site in the community. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have all different kinds of sites to choose from, but many of the sites are selected because we want that site to learn about what health coaching is. So mm-hmm. when the student comes in, they're coaching the employees of that organization. They don't coach the client base of that organization, mm-hmm. but by doing that, the people that work there get to have an understanding of what health coaching is. So if it's a hospital or a clinic, they come in and they coach the nurses or the physicians or the allied health staff or the administrative staff at the place. And then they get a lived experience of what coaching is about. Mm. Um, And then they can start to think about, wow, well, how would this service line serve our clients or our patients if we brought it in here? So they kind of learn it from personal experience, and we're finding that that can really make a difference. Well, well, and that opens up the whole idea that, 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 that the coaches that you're training, well, we can say they're health coaches, integrative health coaches, but they're also, they're not just working with individual clients who are working on their health. You're also describing working in the system, in the right. health system, and that's yes. necessary as well. Yes, both and, yep. Yes. And, and we that, really, we define health so broadly Um, because it really is a real mind, body, spirit approach that there's really not much of life that doesn't impact your health and well-being. Um, Mm -hmm. So whether they're working with people who have no quote-unquote diagnosis or illness, um, Mm -hmm. but they simply would like to be happier, um, more enjoying of their life, that may be appropriate too, or they could be all the way at the other end of the spectrum working with somebody that's in the hospice situation is working with death and dying. Mm-hmm. So we really see our, our coaches uh, working across that entire range. Right. And so there really is opportunities. They're not necessarily easy opportunities at different junctures, but all across the healthcare system, there's opportunities for, you know, your coaches, our coaches, all, a lot of people listening to this conversation. Yeah are, you know, looking for opportunities. And it seems like the data is suggesting it's continuing to grow. Yes, I agree. Yeah. yeah. And, and and as it should, because, uh, you know, it isn't, it's a totally different thing than, say, conventional physician care, right? It really is, it, it, it is really supporting behavioral change. But what you're just actually describing is more than that. It's supporting growing. 
Yes. I like that language. <laughs> Actually optimizing our health for a change yeah. instead of just trying to fix what's broken. Yeah, what's interesting about optimizing is that, you, and that's not just the, that's not just the healthy people optimizing. That it can be anywhere on the spectrum. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. And even in the last, you know, couple of weeks or couple of months of life. Right. So it's amazing how much you, you. So it seems like health coaching allows us to really engage a person where they they are, where they're at, where they are. But it also engages their whole self. So it could be physical. It could be emotional. It could be mental. It could be spiritual. Very much so. Yeah. Yep. Depends yep. on where they are. I, I, so I'm wondering, you know, so since you've been trained, you have a ma many graduates at this stage, what do, you know, once you're out in the field as a coach, then, you know, what becomes the, how do I keep learning and growing? No, it's a great question. And I think it's um, a bigger commitment to some than to others. And I think it also is episodic. You know, when you just finish a real intense program, like I'm sure how you felt probably when you finished your two-year program, mm -hmm. you kind of just want to get to practice and you get, you know, get in there and try to get comfortable with the things that you're applying that you've been learning for so long. And then I think we hit, again, we hit certain plateaus. It was the same thing with any kind of medicine or healthcare practice that I've done. You kind of hit a place where the things that you've learned are starting to feel kind of ingrained. You're not really working at them anymore. You're wanting to feel challenged. Um, and so I think we have those opportunities where we get a hunger for what's the next step? How do I deepen this? You know, mm -hmm. And I think that with the commitment to personal growth and development that you've got that going on at the same time, you've got the commitment to the professional development. And so I think people kind of sometimes alternate, they'll put their money and their time and their energy into taking some continuing ed classes. We get graduates that come back and do courses with us in group coaching or clinically focused coaching. Um, and then other times they're really focused on, I'm going on a month long silent retreat for my own spiritual development. Nice. And, you know, I'm always challenged with language at work um, when they're like, well, which is personal, which is professional development? Because in my mind, I don't separate them. It's, it's human development. And who we are and what we do, it's all kind of the same thing. And we tell many students that, you know, your clients are going to come to you not because of what you do, but because of who you are. And so as long as you're continuing to be honest with yourself and committed to being the best that you can be for who you are, clients will find you. And I think that that's really the biggest professional development opportunity that we have. Yeah, well, that's nice. What you're describing is really lovely because you're basically suggesting that it's a profession on which how much you put in is what you get. Exactly. Gonna, you're going to grow, right? And your clients are going to do, you're going to help more people if you're committed, if you're growing. Right. So that there's an overlapping between, you know, creating health in yourself and really having you know, results, and you know, people are worried about results at the same time, you know, there's a, it's a, it's a wonderful blend. So actually m many coaches are very happy in their professional lives, which is. Well, saying. and I think that's maybe part of why I ended up here because um, I do watch with great sadness sometimes how many professional colleagues I have in medicine who over the years have just been tremendously burned out and are, are doing what they're doing and they're unhappy doing it. Um, and I think that, that coaching and this kind of approach to how we develop ourselves could really help a lot of physicians and other kind of higher end healthcare providers that are struggling in the system to find joy in their work, um, to find a way to bring back that joy. Right. And so you're, you're not actually saying they need to become coaches. It's that there's something that the coaching model that you've developed and, you know, that can help them have richer lives within the context of what they're doing. 
Yes. Right? Yeah. That may change what they're doing some, but yeah. you know, it, it, it's not like you're saying do it differently. You're saying here's a way of being and growing, and let's yeah. see what that, that happens. Yeah. That's a that's a that's a powerful tool, you know, and it's a it's been it's been fascinating to see how much how many different areas that coaching can find you know a way of impacting yeah how many different people can take it and use it as you said earlier not all your graduates end up being coaches they may go back to what they're doing but they're greatly impacted by learning this way right they're doing what they used to do but they're doing it differently which mm -hmm. is exciting um and you know at the same time i think that there are there's new territories that we've not even thought about or barely scratched. And we, for instance, just completed our interviewing process for our admitting class for fall. And it fascinates me. I get students, potential students that come in and interview for the program that have ideas about how they want to use this that I've never even thought about before. Mm -hmm. Like a great example, a couple of weeks ago, I had someone who talked about how they'd like to bring health coaching into the penitentiary system and use it for inmates. Right. I thought, that's brilliant. <laughs> you know, I don't know anybody that's ever done that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I think there's just a lot of opportunity out there for those who have the imagination and the willingness to take a risk to kind of see where they're called. Exactly. And, 